Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to the program. Wasn't sure about my sound setup there for a second. Didn't seem to be coming through very well. But I guess I'm on. <laughs> that was a uh, interesting beginning to the program. We'll have to see how the rest of the program goes. We've got a bunch of email to respond to, but also a caller already. Um, see, I should have a pre-recorded intro to the program. You know, then I couldn't screw it up at all. Um, let's see if I don't screw something up with our caller. We have one already on the line, and callers take top priority on this program, and so we're going to start with a caller uh, from area code 620. How are you today? Doing great, thank you. Let's see if I am in better shape responding to whatever your question is than I was on getting the program started. Um, What's on your mind today? I am doing a follow-up call. Good. I've called in the past. Um, I have a 10-year-old son that's quite explosive when things don't go his way. And I'm the one that started doing your approach in November. Things went so well that I took my hands off the wheel in December. Ah, and have just we named recently... a program after you. <laughs> I know. I love that. <laughs> um, things continue to go so well with Plan B and the The other week, I had done another follow-up to let you know that my son had heard my husband and I discussing Plan A and Plan C and Plan B and really getting down and dirty with it, and my child was the one that said to me, so when I get aggressive and I hit, I'm being Plan A, right? And we agreed, and he said, and what I need to do is be Plan C and let things go, right? And so he's... He's taken on that language when things start getting out of control for himself. And uh, it's really changed him so wonderfully. Um, he's working hard. He's not perfect, of course. There are still the occasions where he just loses control. But he's at least during the last explosion, um, which was last week, he was in the middle of it saying things like, Mommy, I need help. I need help. I can't stop this. Please help me. And it was the first time, one of the first times that he's in the middle of a fit, asked for help, and it was much easier to bring him down. So my question has to do with adapting his IEP at school. Mm. Um, I have mentioned to his team that my husband and I want to sit down, um, even though the school year is drawing near, and incorporate this approach into his IEP so that if he does have a down day and gets aggressive, um, that there isn't a suspension anymore. Um, and that, and we would like to have some help and guidance in how to, what kind of language to use with the IEP team. The little bit that I've mentioned to this with them, uh, including the principal, the first comment back was, well, there's going to have to be 
and consequences. Um, and so do you have any general guidelines on how to approach this with an IEP team and a principal? Please. Well, um, hmm. you may think it was hard to get Plan B going with your son. There are times when getting Plan B going at a school is even harder. So here's the interesting thing. At the moment, you're talking about doing it through the IEP. But I got a few questions to ask because I don't know if the school's going to do it through his IEP unless they are um, uh, oriented to and invested in doing things this way in the first place. Now, I know that you could, through the IEP process, try to ram something through, but I'm not sure that things that are rammed through go as well as they could have as opposed to sort of building a consensus around who your son is, what he needs, et cetera. Right. So that's my, that's my big question. What does the school know about solving problems collaboratively Um, because I'm not sure that the IEP process is the best way to get the ball rolling there I know people who've done it that way but mostly because they couldn't get the ball rolling in any other way any thoughts on that I do Um, the resource director at my son's school um, after the last um, episode with my son right before I put my hands back on this uh, collaborative wheel, um, she finally went and bought the explosive child, um, and one of my son's main paras has been reading it and um, has come back from our spring break telling the resource director, um, you know, this is really worthwhile. This is this is really worthwhile. So I, I, I know that from the para level now heading up, uh, they're getting introduced to it from the book. Um, I know that I, my husband and I are coming to your clinic uh, this Friday, and we have put an offer out to the resource director and any paras that want to join us and any administrators, and I believe that the resource director is going to come with us to be introduced to this approach. Um, so I know from that level... And I think that's why we're wanting to do this through the IEP, because um, from the para-support level, it seems like they are um, they're subscribing to this approach. They're seeing the benefits of it. Now, the school district as a whole um, does the BIST, the behavioral, I have, <clears throat> sorry, B-I-S-T approach. I don't even know what it stands for. Um, and when I looked into that, it has some similar sort of ideas as to this collaborative method, but from my teachers that teach their friends, uh, they said that they only receive two days of training with this instead of the five, and it's they're supposed to have conversation time where the child addresses their issues, um, but that's not happening, and this certainly did nothing for my son. So um, I don't I don't know from the administrative level um, that and that's our main reason for going IEP is because the resource director is getting on board with us on this. You've got me a little conf- 
confused about who's training you, and I think that we probably don't want to be talking about that live on the air, but I do want to follow up with you about that. Um, There are people who are being trained in this model under my supervision and people who are being supposedly trained in supposedly this model outside of my supervision. And I got a bad feeling you may be um, visiting with folks who are being trained outside of my supervision, the quality of which I have no clue about, but that's something we should um, talk about offline rather than talking about it on the program. Okay. Um, I don't know who you might be referring to in terms of visiting with um, on Friday or what their training might be or whether they are actually um, competent in helping people implement my work. It's possible they're not. Um, A lot of that going on out there these days. But um, let's talk in more general terms than your specific situation, though, because I'm not sure I'm going to have enough information to help you with your specific situation. I guess the more general question is, what do you do if you want to get the ball rolling at your school with solving problems collaboratively? What do you do? Um, And I think that the IEP process is one way to accomplish the mission. It sounds like you do have somebody in your building who is on board with this. Um, Is this what is this what they are recommending, or do we need to get more people in the building invested before even writing it into an IEP has a realistic chance of being successful? What's your thought on that? Well, I I think what you just said would be ideal. I, I think that the administrative level being on board with this would, would make this even more successful. Um, and especially since we're in the transition period, my son's graduating from fifth grade and headed into middle school next year. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I am feeling kind of in a panic <laughs> that you know I know that this is really the best approach for him, and I'm sure for many other children and parents and teachers. And so I I guess what I would appreciate is some guidance and how how do I become an advocate an advocate for the school district and that's an even bigger question um and you know what I'm thinking as we are we are at lives in the balance trying very hard to help parents be advocates for advocates for this in their areas of the country and of the world, quite frankly, and we are on the verge of being able to help people do that. Um, So I think the best thing to do is um, for you and I, and we'll bring our associate director, Sheila Nee, into the loop as well so that we can talk with you, especially about the second part, um, advocating on a wider basis. Um, but I think that's probably an offline discussion as well. Um, the, the big question as it relates to our discussion at the moment is uh, how do we help you get this into your school's way of doing things? Um, and, and yes, 
I think it's great to think systemically, and it's great to think big, and that's certainly something we are uh, interested in talking with you about further. How you get it going within your particular school as it relates to your specific son, I would say that that's quite a bit to bite off all by itself, not wishing to discourage your larger aspirations, but um, I personally would probably talk to the resource room teacher who you were referring to earlier. Um, does that person think that the IEP process is the next best way to get the ball expanded for your son in that building? Yes, she does. Does she have other people who feel the same way, that that writing it into the IEP is the next best step toward making it happen? Um, I'm not sure about that, but at least one of the paras has uh, agreed with her. I, I think, you know, an IEP is a wonderful document. It memorializes what's supposed to be going on. What I sometimes worry about, and this happens to schools and in schools a lot, is that something gets written to an IEP that the school isn't really prepared to do yet. Right. Um, sometimes getting it written into the IEP propels them into doing it, but sometimes it also um, it doesn't guarantee that anything will happen. You, you, we, we've had many parents call the program and many parents who I've interacted with who fought to get something into an IEP and it still never happened. Mm. And so I'm not always sure that, well, I'm quite sure that just because something is written into an IEP, you know, there are certain advantages to that because now the school system is sort of, has it's, it's memorialized. Here's something we're supposed to be doing with this kid. All too often, it doesn't make it happen at all. And so I guess what I'm saying is, it's taking us a little bit of a while to get here, is that um, you may want to have a meeting to see to what degree people are feeling like this is a good direction to go in. Getting it written into an IEP says this is what you must do in, our bil in this building with my child. The big question is, is that really the step, the stage that you're at in terms of getting your son what he needs? I've also, by the way, you said your son was on his way into a different school next year? Yes. Sometimes I've been in meetings where the people in the school the kid is leaving were delighted to write something into an IEP, so long as they're not the ones who had to do it. <laughs> uh, and this, I, I would mostly see this in the year that, the, you know, two months before the kid was about to leave their building, um, and there were things they wanted in the kid's IEP all along, and the IEP followed the kid to the next school, but the people in the school who wrote it didn't have to worry about implementing it, um, which I well, thought was funny, but not so funny in many ways. Yeah. Um, my my so, sister is an educator in a, in a large um, city and, and gave me the heads up about this very kind of thing. We are in a situation, especially with this resource director, where we have a very hands-on team, and... Um, from all the IEP meetings that we've had, they stay very close to that document here. Um, and we've not had anything in the IEP up until this upcoming discussion to deal with his behavior. It's all been just academic and a little bit emotional, 
but more emotional towards his academic development. So um, I feel I feel very confident that this team um, would whatever you know we agree as a team to put in there would be uh, working diligently to follow that if things go awry. This is more of like a kind of a lifeguard clause, I guess, mm-hmm. that I'm wanting to put, that we're wanting to put in there. Um, and I, I even mentioned to my husband that I, I want to use this conversation as an opportunity to see what it goes like so that when we work with the team at the middle school that we know what language works and how that conversation could potentially go one way or another and we're kind of prepared for it. So I guess my husband and I are wanting to use it kind of as training as well. And so that by the time that we meet with the junior high IEP team, that we feel like we we have better language. Does that make sense? Yes. In the IEP you're referring to. Yes. Um, doesn't sound like a bad plan to me just as long as we know that it doesn't necessarily guarantee that anything will happen in the next school. Um, It still comes down to um, people doing what the IEP says. Um, That is frequently the hard part. Getting it into IEP, I think it's a great idea. Helping people actually do it, we'll have to see how that part goes. Yeah. I'm I'm curious as to that too. Um, and just because something's in an IEP doesn't guarantee right. anything. Sometimes it's a good first step. Often, the more important part is parents and the folks at the child's school working collaboratively together. And an IEP has no way to guarantee that. So that's the that's, I guess that's the main part. Okay. But make sure, I think you and I have exchanged emails, yes? Yes. If you can be in touch through whatever email address we've been using so that we can be in touch with you offline so that I can both find out about who's providing uh, you and others with services supposedly in my model and also see if we can help you get on board with um, – uh, spreading the word in your area, that would be fantastic. We'd love to be in touch with you. Thank you. I would appreciate that. Um, I will I will email you um, right after your show. Fabulous. And, uh, Thanks for calling yeah. in again. Thank you so much. I appreciate you it. You bet. Take care. Bye. So we have another caller uh, from area code 403, and I, callers, once again, take priority on the program. Let me give the phone number again, 347-994-2981 should also mention that if you want a reminder tweeted to you about this program um, to remind you that it's on, we do that as well. Um, just go to the Lives in the Balance website, go to the radio programs, and somewhere in there is um, something you can click on so you can get tweeted to get reminded about the program. I don't, we don't tweet about anything besides the programs going on, so you won't um, – well, you won't get tweeted about anything else. Um, this is the only thing you'll hear from us on. But let's go to our next caller from area code 403. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am doing well. What's on your mind today? Um, I have sort of a, a multi-fold question, I guess you could say. Um, 
I have been using, um, or my husband and I have been using um, your collaborative problem-solving method with our son, Colin, um, who is eight years old, um, basically since the summer. It was introduced to us by his behavioral pediatrician. Um, and we have been struggling a little bit, I guess. Um, well, we've been struggling a great deal with the school. Um, it's taken a very long time to get the school to use this method. His teacher, at the beginning of the year, I um, approached her and gave her the explosive child and um, lost in school, um, gave her all the paperwork of what we've been doing at home, and she actually has been following pretty much the model all year, and he's had mostly success in his classroom. Um, his particular lagging skills are um, he has a real inflexibility around rules, so um, he struggles in gym time when he perceives friends or peers are cheating. Um, he struggles at recess time with um, games and stuff like that again. Those are his two really big issue areas. Um, Good. So you've got some unsolved problems identified. Yeah, we've got definitely his unsolved problems identified. The issue is coming in, of course, where the school, he's been suspended um, numerous times this year already um, for various things. Mostly it's been involving um, if he's hit somebody. Now, um, earlier in the year, um, when Colin gets quite upset, they used to physically impose on him. That would usually lead to him having a really massive explosion and then hitting a teacher and then he would be suspended was kind of the cycle that we were working under. Touching um, a child when they're upset is a, often a very good way to help them get more upset. Try not to use names or locations or other identifying information, though. Keep going. But I can use his Colin's name, right? Preferably not, but we already have, so keep going. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. And so that, that was um, part of the issues that have occurred for him. Um, so basically... Um, my my first question is: We have been working very hard with the school. They um, we have brought in Colin sees a um, psychologist um, once a week for play therapy, um, who is very much on board with the methods that um, you prescribe, as well as his behavioral pediatrician. And we recently had a meeting, of course, um, involving the school trying to um, involve that. They are moving away. I think they're learning or adapting to what we are saying, so that I think they're planning on moving away from um, a suspension for him, or at least it will be a suspension with um, basically they're going to improve his lagging skills. Um, my question is something that recently happened here at the house, which hasn't occurred for quite some time. Um, he was doing homework. I asked him to just reprint something, and um, he very consciously and purposefully decided to start destroying something that belonged to me because he didn't want to do what was being asked of him. Um, and I guess I had asked him to go to his room because I could see he was getting upset, and I don't typically do that anymore, ask him to go to his room because that doesn't really solve his problems. Um, but it became a battle between us and then it made a huge explosion later in the day. So um, my question is, and I know this is not really, <laughs> doesn't really work with the plan as far as, you know, moving away from consequences, but I don't really know how to handle something where he has 
it's not like his typical reaction where I can see that he's shutting down and we can discuss his um, concerns. Um, this was a situation where he very consciously and purposefully decided to do something because it was his retaliation against me. Do you know what I mean? So I wanted, <laughs> I guess as an adult I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I wanted I wanted to have a, have a consequence for that. And I, what I'm struggling with, what would be a natural consequence for him out of that? Do you understand? Well, yeah, I understand the desire to have a consequence. If if you're imposing it, it wouldn't be natural. It would be adult imposed. Yes. Natural consequences are things that would happen anyways. Okay. So I don't know if you're talking about a natural consequence. I think you're talking about an adult-imposed consequence. It was an adult-imposed consequence, which, like I said, we don't typically do anymore. But yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure what would be a natural consequence for this. Like, basically what he did was he was sitting at the kitchen table. I had asked him to do this printing. And I recognize now in hindsight what the issue was. His brother had finished his homework sooner than he had, and he figured – I'm done what I'm supposed to do, or at least in his mind, what he thought he was supposed to do, and so he should be done. He he had a very difficult time transitioning when I said to him, no, you still have this left. You're not leaving yet for your homework. And so he decided to start um, scratching or cutting up my leather on my one of my seats. Mm. So I wasn't sure what would be a natural consequence in a situation like that. Well, I don't know if I'm going to give you a lot of help with that. And here's why. Ready? Yep. I mean, the most I would do along the lines of what you're looking for is have a discussion with him about how he could make amends for that. Yes. Okay, we have been we did that. So, I'm not sure about the continuing need for a natural consequence. Okay. Um, once again, a natural consequence is something that would happen anyways. Okay. So th- I think that since everything that would happen anyways has already happened, all you're really talking about having left are adult-imposed consequences. I know that you're still saying natural, but... Um, I'm not sure that so, I, I'm. I'm not. I don't spend a great deal of time thinking about what natural consequences could be. I'll tell you where I'm really at on the problem. Because here we are at the back end, talking about consequences. My question is, I mean, you, you've given us a theory for what it is that upset him in the first place that caused him to start doing the cutting he was doing, right, of yeah. the leather. My question is, is a consequence, adult-imposed or natural, going to solve whatever problem caused that behavior in the first place. Because I don't put cutting the leather into any different category than I would put any other maladaptive behavior, hitting, spitting, throwing, destroying. He destroyed, so he's, he, that, what yeah, he did he was he destroyed something. He did physical damage to something, right? Those are all in the same category. Those are things that kids do when there's a problem that they were having difficulty solving. And, of course, a big part of what I talk about and what we talk about on this program 
is questioning whether a consequence, adult-imposed or natural, is going to actually solve whatever problem gave rise to a child's challenging behavior in the first place. So while I fully appreciate the adult's desire, in this case you, your desire, to have there be some sort of a consequence, I suspect the ultimate goal is to reduce the likelihood that this will happen again. And what I always come back to is whether a consequence, adult-imposed or natural, is going to move you in that direction. So those, so I don't know if I'm going to be in a great position to help you with what a natural consequence for cutting up the leather on a seat, as I understand it, would be. That I don't tend to put a lot of time into thinking about what a natural consequence would be. And, of course, most folks could come up with adult-imposed consequences for that. There's, you know, Most of us have quite a repertoire of adult-imposed consequences, often from our own childhood. So many of us don't have any difficulty coming up with that. My question is, what problem set it in motion in the first place, and how are we going to solve that problem so that we reduce the likelihood that this happens again, which is exactly what we are hoping to accomplish with a consequence as well? So go ahead. T- tell me what you're thinking. Well, <laughs> that's kind of where we are. Um, I know what caused that behavior. Full stop. It was definitely the fact that he could not adjust out of um, the mindset that he was going to be allowed to leave because his brother had already left and that I had now added back to him or added on top of what he had already done because he had accomplished already what he thought in his mind was his homework, and it was. Well, but let me weigh in on that a sec. So, so I just want to make sure I have it, the situation clear. He thought he was done. His yeah. brother was done. Yeah. You told him he wasn't done and that he had to stay to finish, and he thought he'd already finished. Yes? Absolutely. So the unsolved problem is that he thought he was done and you thought he wasn't. And, from the sounds of it, you imposed your will to make him stay when he thought he was finished and you thought he wasn't. Yes? Yes. So that would be called Plan A. Yes. Plan A <laughs> Which I don't, like I said, I don't normally do for him. Yeah, no, I get it. But, but, but so now, uh, it was less that his brother left and he wanted to leave too, as I'm hearing it, just clarifying. I want to make sure I have the picture straight, but more that he thought he was done and you thought he wasn't. Was that yes, the unsolved absolutely. problem? Yeah. Yep. Got it. But, you know, when he went into shutdown mode, um, I didn't really even get the opportunity to discuss with him what his concern was. Um, he immediately went into destruction mode, which is not it used to be very typical behavior for him. It has become, with the use of collaborative problem solving, has become very less typical of him. So, of course, when I'm back in a situation where of sort of uncharted territory that I haven't been in for months and months and months, I guess you could say. Um, well... 
Um, good that things have improved, it sounds like, rather dramatically by solving problems collaboratively. Yeah. And it sounds like you found yourself in an unanticipated hot one. Yes? Yes. Now, when you... No, so first of all, good for you for having done what you've done and good for him to get things on the right track and improve things dramatically. That's, I mean, I want to emphasize that first and foremost. Good for you. You happen to be calling in right now, as people frequently do, about one that didn't go so well. People sometimes call in about the ones that go well, but they most frequently call in about ones that didn't go well. Yes? Yes. And what I'm suggesting here is that the things you did to make things go better in general are just as applicable to this, we might call it an outlier, unsolved problem, because it sounds like, quite frankly, you got surprised by it. And when people get surprised by an unsolved problem, no matter how well things are going, we all still have the potential to head for plan A under those circumstances. So I'm quite frankly, just reminding you that you had two other options under those circumstances, both emergent, unfortunately, because we're in the heat of the moment now, right? He's balking at thinking he's done, and you're saying he's not done, and so now we've got an unsolved problem, and maybe this is the first time this has come up, and so you couldn't have dealt with it proactively before. What I'm always saying to people, this is a bit of a side note, is that once something comes up once, it's no longer unpredictable, so we can try to solve it proactively the next time. But in the heat of the moment, you actually have three options, A, B, and C. B, you're trying to find out what's going on right then and there. C, you're actually letting him leave the table at that moment. And coming back to the now no longer unpredictable, unsolved problem another time so that you can make sure that it doesn't happen again, Now, look how far we've come, and I'm happy to go back there, but look how far we've come. And and the things that you want to give the the consequences for are what he did when he got upset over the unsolved problem that was being handled with Plan A. Okay, I'm done talking now. (laughs) Okay, I'm with you there. Now, my my second part of this question is these types of behaviors that he that I got illustrated yesterday, um, like I said, has been greatly reduced in our house because of using collaborative problem solving. However, at the school, this has become a major issue, and for whatever reason, as the year has progressed, um, he has gone from being. Um, they have established a room for him to go to if he gets upset so he can remove himself from the classroom um, if he's triggered to go and calm down. So we've been doing a lot of how to help him when he has um, reached a breaking point, I guess you could say. However, um, he's handling those sorts of situations maladaptively. Sometimes he doesn't go to that area. He goes to a bathroom. He goes other places such as, you know, to try and calm down. 
Um, and then the school administration comes in trying to get him out of there. And like I said, there's been some forcible removal of different areas and this and that. Um, and as the year has gone on, um, there have been a few instances now for him where um, things have escalated on the playground. He'll get into a fight with um, peers verbally, um, and then they push him or he pushes them, and then it becomes a physical fight, and then he gets suspended. Now, I'm not really sure how to – I have tried very much so to get the school on board doing the collaborative problem solving. Like I said, they've brought in now – his various um, helpers, like his psychologist and his behavioral pediatrician, to try and figure out the best plan of action for him at um, school. I guess what <laughs> I guess my concern now is um, how do I continue at home, um, or how do I continue to help him um, progress? with learning the lagging skills that he has? Um, like, is there more that I can be doing with him at home for him to progress? Because he's only eight, but I would prefer us not to be escalating. <laughs> I prefer this to be, do you know what I mean? Well, I so. think that two two comments on what you just said. One is I'm hoping that the progress you've made at home has been because of proactive plan B, not emergency plan B. I mean, I'm always happy for progress, but I think um, there's, most of these skills that are trained in this model are trained indirectly um, by doing plan B. But I, and I don't have any data for this, this is purely anecdotal on my part and me sort of just watching what I think works best. Um, I think that when skills are being trained, they're much more likely to be trained when we're doing Plan B proactively than when we're doing Plan B emergently. And I think that the solutions that people come up with are much more durable when the Plan B is done proactively versus emergently. So my primary suggestion for you in the teaching of skills department is um, keep doing proactive plan B. And now, of course, because of the one we talked about, we know that you have at least one proactive plan B to be doing with your son. Yes. But here's, here's the other part, and this is, I don't know if your, if your son is still looking bad at school primarily in response to plan A. Um, um, you've convinced me. Your, your son is not a plan A responder. I got it. I'm there, right? <laughs> no, nope, so, he's not. Right. And so, but I'm, and I'm hearing that things are much better at home, and you are attributing things being better at home to solving problems collaboratively, and that's great. I'm hoping that at home most of that progress has been made by doing plan B proactively rather than emergently, but... What I am not clear about at all, and this may be even more important, is whether the school is still doing a lot of plan A and that that's what's setting your son off. And I'm sniffing out here something that you may be fervently hoping for, but I could be wrong about this. You'll have to tell me after this next sentence. I'm hoping that you are not 
hoping that if you just get good enough at teaching your son the skills he needs at home, that that will help him see his way through all the plan A that is going on at school. Because I don't think that I'd be too optimistic about that. I'd be more optimistic, no, hard though it might be. No, that be. is not what I'm thinking. Thank goodness. What do you think? No, 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 no. You've already received an email from me to come <laughs> and help with the school board. No, 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 no. No, you are. Uh, no, that is. No, I need the school on board helping um, implement a plan B action for him at school. Got it. Okay. So uh, and that what has I'm been sniffing very out. Good. So uh, I, I was sniffing one thing that wasn't accurate, and that is that you were not hoping that by getting a lot of skills taught at home, you'd be able to help him navigate his way through all the plan A's at school. They are separate. But you are feeling very strongly that the school needs to be doing plan B because he's getting set off at school by plan A. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, there's a, here's I'm, the good news. I don't know what school system you're in, and I don't want you to tell us, but I know that you're calling from area code 403, and that is Alberta. If you asked me uh, the Canadian province that is doing more of my work than any, it would be Alberta. Um, Ontario's in the mix. BC is in the mix. Uh, Saskatchewan's in the mix. But I'm in Alberta a ton. Um, things are moving in the right direction in Alberta. I just don't know what school system you're in. Uh, how are you going about trying to get, because this is now similar to our first caller as well, how are you trying to get the ball rolling with the school so that they stop setting your son off by doing plan A with him on highly predictable, unsolved problems that they could be identifying proactively and solving proactively? Um, well, it it started with he has a learning support. Um, it started with, well, it started first with the teacher giving the information at the beginning of the year, of course, um, providing the books and providing what was working for us at home. Um, providing the triggers yeah. and um, typically his lagging skills. As the year has progressed, um, the problem, of course, has come in where um, some of the triggers, of course, that have occurred for him, um, it gets dealt with by the learning support rather than by the teacher. So he's being removed from the classroom to deal with these. And typically it has been oh boy. completely... Emergently, no doubt. Emergently, yes. It's been emergent oh all year. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had a very difficult time. Um, first of all, they wanted a diagnosis, provided a diagnosis. Then they didn't like the diagnosis. Mm. <laughs> they didn't feel the diagnosis fit. And so they were throwing back other diagnoses that they thought might be the situation, and um, which, of course, complicated the mix because it really doesn't matter what he has. It's just like, let's just fix what he does, <laughs> like what his lagging skills are. So only as of recent, and by recent I mean in the last two weeks, has the school actually began to do what I would believe to be collaborative problem solving with him. Again, it's still an emergent level. So um, I have basically typed out exactly what to do in a plan B scenario and then an emergent plan B scenarios for him. Um, They have been trying to do things like um, social stories a little bit with him, the Mr. Flex, 
Um, yeah, Michelle Garcia winners stuff. That's good. To try and um, teach him some of the flexibility skills that he requires around that. Those are also coming out um, at home with us, trying to teach him those skills. But as of yet, most of the school has been, like I said, an emergency situation, and most of the times it's not handled. Right. So here's the deal. Despite the year saying to them, please do not touch him, please do not touch him, it will become more physical for him. They have continued to do that. Um, We, We would be delighted at Lives in the Balance to help you get this rolling with him at school. We only have about 15 seconds left in today's program. But do me a favor, email us at Lives in the Balance through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website, and I'm going to put you in touch with our associate director, Sheila, and we'll see if there's any assistance we can provide you to help you even further. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a great plan. Thank you for calling in today. Thank you. And I hate cutting things off so quickly, but we're out of time. Talk to you next week.